Come on in. Welcome to the gathering place. Go ahead and let them know over there in the foyer that we're starting this morning. We want to welcome everybody online. We love y'all. I hope you guys are excited to worship with us. I hope you're ready to worship the living God. I hope you're ready to bring some praise to Jesus. Come on, stand to your feet. Let's go into prayer. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you. Come on, all over the room, start to thank God. God, we thank you. God, we thank you. Thank him for your job. Thank him for your house. Thank him for the breath in your lungs. Come on. God, we thank you. Father, we thank you for another day of life. Father, we thank you for another day of life. God, we thank you for our families. We thank you for our children. We thank you for our careers. We thank you, Father. We thank you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the freedoms that we enjoy in this country. Father, thank you. God, we thank you. We thank you. Thank you for another year of life, God. Thank you, Father. We love you. We love you. We love you. We have come to worship you, God. We've come to worship the King of Kings. God, you are awesome. You are powerful. You are mighty. There is nobody like you. Who can save like the Lord? Who can heal? Who can redeem like you can, oh God? No one. There is no one, God. There is no one like you. There is no one like you. There is no one like you, Jesus. Every knee will bow, Lord. We just choose to bow right now, Jesus. But we know every knee will bow to your name, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We love you. We love you. We love you. God, this morning, I stir, God. I stir this place up. God, I stir this place up in the name of Jesus. God, I declare life and life in abundance. I declare supernatural victory. I declare supernatural encounters, God. I thank you, Father, as we just go to worship, that people will have supernatural encounters with your, with your son in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you fill us up? Holy Spirit, would you have encounters this morning? Holy Spirit, would you go and touch? Would you go and heal in the name of Jesus? We believe in a God who still heals, God. We believe in your name, Jesus. Oh, we declare life and life in abundance. We declare healing and healing in abundance. We declare sound minds and sound minds in abundance in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Oh, we align ourselves with heaven this morning. Oh, we align ourselves with heaven this morning. We declare, we declare life. We declare life in Jesus' name. Oh, we worship you, God. We worship you, God. We worship you. There is nobody like you, God. There is nobody like you, God. God, we have come to worship you. In the midst of our troubles, we have come to worship you no matter if we're going through tribulations. We come to worship you even when it's hard to worship you. We have come, God, to give you praise no matter what our life circumstances may be. We have come this morning to worship you, God, because you alone are worthy. You alone are worthy, God. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, oh, we love you, God. We love you, God. We love you, God. And we come to worship you. And we have come to give you praise this morning. Come on, all over the room, go ahead and give him a shout of praise. Come on, we love you, Jesus.
as we prepare to sing this next song, we just want you to think about the words in it. It says, I just want you and nothing else. You know, as I was going through the week, I was thinking about, and I was like, I know people, a lot of people think the same way I do, some people don't. I know many people who have a relationship with Christ tend to sometimes sit back and stand in awe of who he is, of what he's done, of what he's about to do, because he's the same God yesterday, today, and forevermore. But he always is ready to take you to a higher level and a higher level and a higher level. All we have to do is be willing participants this morning. Amen? Amen.
You know, when she was singing in that song, it says, let all my life testify. Everything we've gone through, everything we've been through, there's a reason for it. The good, the bad, the ugly, it doesn't matter. He's still your father. He's still a friend. There's a song that says, I am a friend of God. And not only are you a friend of God, but we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. So when you remember that on a daily basis, that means you identify with who you are and whose you are. So as you go throughout the day, throughout the week, never forget that you have an identity in Christ. And if you don't, this is a judgment-free zone for you. You can come and lay all your weights of the world on Christ. He just takes them away from you and tells you don't pick them back up. But you have to be willing to walk with him. You have to be willing to hear his voice. You have to be willing to study his word. You have to be willing to say, here I am, so he can tell you I am. and your grace we thank you for your love God I thank you that you are breathing new life into your people this morning God I thank you that you are reawakening their bones God I thank you that you are reawakening their passion God even those who have not lost their passion God I declare a double portion God that they would be reignited God that they would fall back into love God that that silly love with you God father I ask that you would reignite us this morning that you would wake us up at three at four at five in the morning God that we would want to hear your voice that we would want to get into that secret place that we would want to get into our closets and pray God or into our cars and just worship you God I ask that you would reignite us God 
Reignite us, God, in Jesus' mighty name. Father, teach us. Holy Spirit of the living God, teach us, guide us in all truth. Teach us and guide us into all truth. We want to know you more. We want to love you more and more. God, I speak that over your people this morning, that you would reignite us, that we would remember our first love, that you would teach us, God, in Jesus' name. And now I bless your people, God. I bless your people. God, would you strengthen them? Would you fill them up? Would you love on them? Would you remind them who they are when they forget, God? Remind them that they are worthy. Remind them that they are righteous because you are righteous. Remind them that they are holy because you are holy, Jesus. Remind us who we are. We are a people who is loved by the living God. We thank you, God, this morning. We worship you and we love you in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, give God a clap. Come on, worship him. We love you, Jesus. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. Oh, we thank you. Hey, listen, take 10 minutes. Uh, go use a restroom. Say hi to someone you haven't seen in a while. We'll be right back. We love you.
Welcome to the gathering place. If you're watching online, welcome. Uh, Pastor DJ, Pastor Julie, we love you. Uh, we continue to pray for you that God's just stirring you guys up and you're having an awesome uh, vacation and just a good time with the Lord as well. Uh, so also, uh, we do have some announcements. Before we do some announcements, I did want to talk to the family real quick and just encourage you guys. So if you didn't know, like... Um, a few weeks ago, I came in with like a sling and I had, uh, I went to the doctors and the doctors told me I tore my tendon, my deltoid tendon. Uh, and then it started bleeding in, into this channel, into my arm. Uh, and then, uh, let's see, last week or the week before that, some of the ladies from the Thursday morning uh, prayed for me. And then Sunday, a couple people prayed for me. Uh, and so... I went to get an MRI this last week, uh, and the doctor said they couldn't find any type of tear, any type of strain. Um, yeah, it was really weird. Well, not weird. It was awesome. Yeah. So uh, it's funny, though, because I was, I, was <laughs> I was telling my brother back there, I was kind of upset. I was like, hey, you know. What do you mean? You know, do your job. Tell me what's wrong. Where is it at? You know, uh, and they were really like, no, sir. Like I, we, we looked at the entire MRI. There's nothing like there's nothing. It's perfect. And, um, you know, and it was funny because I was upset. I'm like, no, you probably looked at the wrong one. Like, what are y'all doing? Um, and and then finally it just hit me. And the Lord's like, so you're upset that you got healed. You know, <laughs> is that what you're telling me, Kevin? You're upset that you got healed. Um, and it's just wild, you know, and I believe in healing. Uh, it's just wild once it, it, you know, it manifests and you're like, okay, I got healed. You know, walk it out. I got healed. So I started doing a little PT at home with my, yeah, and it's, you know, it's a little sore, but it's good. And I'm moving it and I'm doing, you know, uh, and so all the strength is finally starting to come back. And so I just wanted to tell you guys that I wanted to encourage the body with that. Um, normally I'm, you know, pastors in general, like me and Pastor DJ, uh, we're all for like the body, right? Getting healed. And we're so much so that we think like we would rather you guys be healed and 
us to get healed. Uh, so that's just kind of funny because God's like, no, I died on the cross for healing, period. Period, you know? Um, and so, yeah, and so that was just really, really awesome. I hope that encourages you guys, encourages me. And so I just want to thank God for that and, you know, thank and thank y'all for your prayers. I love you guys and I appreciate you. Uh, go ahead and give a, a good hand applause for Miss Rhonda. She comes up here. Thank you, Kevin. All right, just a few announcements today. But first, if there are any first-time visitors, we definitely want you to fill out a Connect card. You can get one out in the big desk in the foyer, or you can scan the QR code that's going to be on the screen in just a second and fill it out because we want to just reach out to you, tell you we're glad to have you, and see if you have any questions we could possibly answer. Um, also, if you haven't filled one out in a while and you want to update your information, maybe you've got a new address or a cell phone number or you want to add your birthday so you get a birthday card from our coffee club, please do that. Uh, we have kingdom classes every Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. Today, Brother James taught on our temple and nutrition. We had a good, good discussion today. Next week, Jeff Bush is going to be talking on science and faith. This is not science versus faith. This is science and faith. But next week is a very special one. It's on evolution. It'll probably be the only one he does on evolution. So if you're interested in that, please come next Sunday, 9 o'clock. Uh, this week we'll have prayer Monday night, Wednesday night our usual kids and teens, and then Friday night we have a night of worship, and this month it is at Courts of Praise. So some of our worship team will join with their worship team at Brother Bo's church, and that'll be at 6 o'clock this Friday night, the 17th. Then next Thursday, we need some volunteers. The Bread of Life team is going to be handing out coffee and donuts again at the Food Drop in Millbrook. And that's early on a Thursday morning, the 23rd. So if you have any questions or want to get more information, see Cassandra. She's running slides today, so she's back there. And then one more. March 27th is the deadline for men to sign up for the Men on Fire conference. This is going to be started Thursday evening, go through lunch Saturday outside Tuscaloosa at a camp. Um, DJ will be one of the speakers. Brother Bo will be one of the speakers. You'll need to go to valormen.org, V-A-L-O-R-men.org, for more information and to register. And if you have any issues with registration or coming up with the money for it, please see us. We don't want that to stop you from going. And I think that's it. Thank you, Ms. Rhonda. All right. Yeah, I think I'm going to sign her that job permanently, you know. Uh, <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, anyways, yeah, so without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and call a brother, Jim Ward. Come on, give him an applause. Yes. All right. Uh, I know a lot of men, uh, they normally go to his Tuesday night. He's an awesome man of God. He's one of the elders here at the church. Uh, and I can't say, I, I would be here all day if I speak uh, on this man. He's so awesome. And it's, uh, it's, uh, he is a father figure in the faith that I look up to. He's a man of God whose character and integrity precedes him. He's an awesome man of God. And I'm going to go ahead and pass it over to him before I cry. All right. Love you guys. Give him one more applause. Come on. Good, good morning. You know, nobody really lives up to that. Don't think like that. 
Don't think like that. We're, we're just walking and talking and trying to follow Jesus. So what I'm going to do this morning is wander. I've been told to stand here some, but I was allowed to wander. <laughs> and apparently wandering is what I'm going to do, at least to begin with. A few things, I cry a lot. So if I cry, don't feel sorry for me. The Lord is just blessing me. And then I'm going to try to figure out how to express it in half the time I can't. But whatever he blesses me with, I'll try to express to you. And uh, what I'm going to do today is talk about the Beatitudes. And the main reason for the Beatitudes is because that's what we're learning with the men. And my brain can only hold so much at one time, okay? <laughs> and, and if I'm doing the Beatitudes, if I get confused and don't know what to do, I can just go to the next verse. And we'll just keep going. But I'll probably wander from the Beatitudes and talk about some other things. Uh, my brain works in little small segments, not big, expansive things, but I take big, giant things and turn them into small things. That's just how my brain works. So that might be what you get today. And I'm really thrilled about young folks being on the front. Uh, because uh, they matter very much. And we were all young one time. And we all needed somebody to tell us something that would help us get through this thing and do it right. Follow God. Jesus, we're going to pray now, okay? Jesus, I love you. I love you so much. You are so special to me. You make it all great and wonderful and peaceful, and I have hope because of you. I'm not afraid. I'm not even nervous, Jesus. I should be nervous. But you make things peaceful in my heart because all I got to do is tell these people about you. And it's easy, Jesus, because you're so much, so great, and so wonderful. Okay. Amen. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 3. The Beatitudes. Um, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So I'm going to tell you a little backstory. Every year we go to Thanksgiving at Karen's house. And she spends a week down there and helps her mother cook. And I go down a little bit later on Wednesday evening when I get off work. And I spend a few days down there. So I always have a little time to think. And it seems like always, for like the last five years, I just say, you know what? I'm going to read the New Testament. I got some free time. I'm just going to read the New Testament. And you know, New Testament starts with Matthew. And I get to chapter 5 every time, right where we're at now. And I have to stop because I can't go any further. Because the Beatitudes just slay me. They just... They just tear me apart on the inside. How is all this real? What does all this mean? What's so important about this? And why can't I get past it? I literally, five years in a row probably, stopped every time at the Beatitudes. One is I don't really understand what that means every time. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What does that even mean? What does that even mean? Now the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount, you remember Jesus at this point, He's, uh, he's been through the 40 days in the desert. He's done some teaching. He's done some healing. And people are really taken with him. They're just blown away by him. And so a crowd is beginning to follow. And he's, you've got to figure out what to do with this crowd. So he climbs up on this hill. And back then, that's what they did instead of microphones, is they just got on a hill and the sound would carry, I guess. So he's teaching a whole bunch of people. And this is what he says. The Beatitudes is kind of like the Sermon on the Mount better. It's kind of like the Ten Commandments was to the Old Testament. It's a really big deal. I guess that's why every time I get to this, I, get, I just stop. I can't go on. Blessed are the poor in spirit, 
for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, in the men's group, I would ask them, what does that mean? And they would tell me, and I'd say something. We'd get a conversation going. But I'm not going to do that here because who knows what a crowd like this would say. There's a lot of y'all. The men understand. We, We don't go certain places. Poor in spirit means it's nothing to do with money at all. Okay, So block money out of your brain. Nothing to do with money. It's, it's talking about, I need to recognize that my spirit is broke, as in broke, dead broke, flat out ain't got nothing to offer. My spirit, Jim Ward. But Jesus is standing right in front of me with every single thing I need. So poor in spirit means I recognize that the only remedy for everything in my life is Jesus Christ. When I was a boy, let's call it about 12, my daddy, he was a really good dad, okay? He was a great dad. He loved me. He was an encourager. He took me places, and we did things together, and, you know, he focused on me. He loved me. He was great. He was wonderful. Everybody knew my dad loved him. And so when I was with him, I was not very concerned about anything because I was with my dad. And now, I told you not to think about money, but we're going to go to money now, okay? Because it's the only way I can figure out how to explain this. Now, my daddy was a horse trader, so he bought and sold things, motorcycles, anything, Winnebago's, it didn't matter. If he thought he could make a deal on it, he did it. So he walked around with a wad of cash all the time. He was never with less than several thousand dollars in cash. Now, you young guys don't realize it, but back in the old days, we bought things with cash instead of check cards. Um... So he always had money, and, but I was 12, and I never had any money. My pockets were completely empty. But I was 0% worried about anything with, with regard to finance because I was with my dad, and he had plenty of money. He always had plenty of money. Whenever I wanted to go do something with some other people, he just handed me a 20, which nowadays would be 100. He gave me too much money. My daddy always just gave me too much money to go somewhere and do something in case one of my friends didn't have any money. And there was a... What I'm trying to express to you, I'm not doing a very good job. What I'm trying to express to you is the peace inside of me, even with completely empty pockets. Never worried a thing about what I needed because my dad was right there. Whatever I needed, he had it, and he was more than willing to give it to me. Now, you see where I'm going with this? Jesus is right here with us all the time. Everything we need, he has. One time, we did a little experiment. At, at that time, I was working in my dad's motorcycle shop, you know, for no money. Just went back there and serviced motorcycles and, I mean, for customers, you know. And uh, so he got paid, and I was thinking, you know what? Those other mechanics do the same work, and they get paid. <laughs> my mother did the books there. So I said, Dad, can I get paid like the other mechanics? And, you know, you keep a ticket on me just like you do them, and at the end of the week I get my check. And he said, you know, he bowed up. You sure can. And the next time you want an expansion chamber for that 80, you can buy it. So y'all may not know what any of that is, but they cost a lot of money. So Daddy kept me in race bikes because I race motorcycles. But so for two weeks we did the little experiment. Mom gave me my check, or mom, she probably paid me in cash. I don't remember. But I made a lot of money. 
And my dad found out how much I was making, and he said, we're going to stop this. We're going to end this right here. <laughs> and you know what? I, I was so glad. I'm glad he broke before me on this experiment, but I didn't like it. I didn't like the idea of I was suddenly responsible for everything I needed. I was responsible. No longer was Daddy responsible. I took charge. And I was going to buy the next change in sprockets, tires, and whatever else I needed. And at the movies, I was going to spend my money. I didn't like that feeling at all. It's the same feeling we get when we take over our own lives and begin to ignore Jesus. We're talking about really simple things here, okay? We're talking about the very beginning of your peace. This is where it begins. I don't have anything, but Jesus has got everything I need, and he will ha happily give it to me all the time. He's always with me, poor in spirit. The blessed part of poor in spirit is that feeling, that understanding, that knowledge that I'm okay because he's with me and he has everything. Let's do another one. Verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. It's not very complicated. When you're mourning, you will be comforted. What are you mourning about? It doesn't matter. Scholars and theologians, they all say, you know, those people are just people, those scholars and theologians. And they got to say something. They're getting paid to be smart and say stuff. I'm saying that because when you read these things, don't, don't believe everything they say. They say a lot of cool stuff. It's helped me to learn and understand a lot of things, but every single bit of it's not right. Like they say, this is definitely positively about blessed are they that mourn over sinful, sinful nature, sin, which I think that's part of it. It's not everything. If you're mourning because your mom passed away, he will comfort you. When you're in mourning, when you are down, he is there and he will comfort you. Sometimes he'll be like that friend that just sits there and doesn't say anything. Man, I love that friend. Doesn't think you have to jabber the whole time. Just be with me. I'm in mourning. I'm hurting. He's that kind of friend. Sometimes I'll take pauses. And you just get to wonder what I'm thinking. Maybe you think about what this means to you. What if every time you were sad, you were confident that there was somebody there that understood? Yes. Let's go to the next one. Verse 5, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Again, what does that mean? Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Meek is a tough one. Meek is a tough one. Uh, so many people think it sounds so much like weak. It's probably that. It's not that at all. Meek is someone who is strong as Samson, but doesn't have to demonstrate it. Doesn't have to show it. Doesn't have to carry on, poke his chest out, and act like he's tough. And I'm, I speak to men so much, all this is probably going to be Male-oriented, I'm sorry. 
Ladies, I don't know how that applies in the lady part. <laughs> Meek is like a sword that is very dangerous, but it's in the sheath and it's hidden away. It's there if you need it, but you're not walking around boasting and prideful and, and towering over people because you're in control. If you're the boss where you work, Meek is very important to you. Don't be that guy. Don't be that gal that can tower over people and make them feel any way you want to because you're in control. You get nothing more out of the person you're trying to control except fear and angst and what do they call it? Vicious compliance. <laughs> you don't want any of that. You want them to do what you want them to do because they're there to do it. Let's do another one. Verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Do you get that there's a bit of a progression to this? That we're going to start with, I understand that I don't really have anything in my spirit that's strong, except when I go to Jesus. Uh, a condition. Jesus is trying to help us understand a condition, a, a perspective, uh, a, way to, a way to believe and a way to think to get through life and be at peace. Uh, this is all kind of contrary to my nature. I assume it's contrary to your nature too. I always begin to think I know what I'm doing. It's a curse to be so smart. This is a joke, by the way. And just know everything. And nobody can tell me anything. And I'm in control. Now only to find out that everybody knows as much as I do. And How, how do we get to the point where we start believing those stu stupid, silly things about ourselves? I know it all. Nobody else knows anything. When you feel that happening, when, you, when, you're, when you're looking at other people saying, they don't know anything, and I know everything... Just stop right there. Just stop. You have started down the wrong road. I've been down it a thousand times. Miss Karen and I, we've been married 40 years. And what's super awesome is we, we're not just married and tolerate each other. It's not, it's not like that. We love each other. It's, it's special. It's sweet. It's precious. I, uh, I think about her all during the work day. It's a wonder I get anything done. I just think about her. And she thinks about me and we talk and it's wonderful. How long do you think a marriage would last and be that sweet if we didn't text each other sweet things and remember each other and, and she didn't say, honey, how was your day and mean it? And I didn't listen to her because she's been at home. I hadn't talked to anybody all day and so it's my job to listen to all the words for a little while. <laughs> I mean, it's what I do. I listen to the words with interest. 
Jesus' relationship with us the same way. It doesn't work. I don't, I don't, I wouldn't be a Christian from 14 years old to now, however many years that is, 44, I think. If we didn't keep this thing fresh, like my relationship with my wife, if we don't keep it fresh, it's kind of dull and no fun and unexciting and somebody loses interest and then we're back to where I started and then we're just tolerating each other and we don't want that. It was the coolest thing the first time I ever saw her, the day I saw her. First time ever, she just walked right into my little life. Oh, my gosh. It was wonderful. I still remember it. I remember the pants she had on. I can't remember the top, baby. I remember the pants. <laughs> Who you marry is important, guys. Kids. One of the things I say about my life, I got saved when I was 12, and I kind of got saved again when I was 14, because I don't know what happened between 12 and 14, but I just kind of wasn't saved anymore. I don't know. I don't know if that's theologians would agree with that, but I just wasn't following Jesus. But I, I got around some people, and I learned how to follow Jesus again, and from 14 on to now, except you know, I had a, a good run with Jesus. We've been really tight. But... When I first got saved again at 14, I began to read the Bible consistently, just all the time. And actually, that's what kind of drew her to me. She would just walk by a, a little room we had at this school we were in, and she'd see me in there reading the Bible. And that's not bragging or anything. It just happens. It's just something that happened. She saw it. She thought that was pretty cool. But I was really close to Jesus when I met her, and when I sort of, forgive me for saying it this way, but picked her to be my wife, and she picked me to be her husband, even at, you know, long before we were old enough to be married, we decided we were going to be married to each other. And it's been wonderful. You need to be close to God when you're trying to figure out who you're going to spend your life with. If you're not close to God, just take a break because you will not get it right. And it matters. You might stay married and you might actually enjoy it, but it'll be, it'll be rough and bumpy. You want to be with whoever wants you to, God wants you to be with. We justify all sorts of things in all parts of our life. I'm talking to kids now, but young people. But we justify all sorts of things in our lives. You know, we, we start feeling things when we're young. We got puppy love. Man, I feel it. Man, we're in love. This is great. But we ignore the most basic things. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Like, he doesn't know Jesus or something like that. I'm rambling a little bit now, but I'm talking to you grown-ups as well. How do we let our emotions drive us into positions that are not healthy for us. Something I say regularly is emotions, emotions will lie to you. And you'll all agree with me, but boy, when you're sitting there being lied to you by your emotions, it kind of feels like the truth. All right, so what is the truth? God's Word is the truth. And His Holy Spirit is the truth. So, I'm, I'm shifting gears a little bit, okay? We're going from that to, what do you do when a lie comes into your head, okay? A lie that sounds like the truth. Seems like the truth. Um, we say no thank you to the lie. Now, 
if a waitress offers me some condiment at the restaurant for my food and I don't want it, what do I say? No, thank you. We say it all the time. We say no, thank you all the time. They ask me, do I want some jelly with my biscuit at Hardy's all the time? I say, no, thank you. But we will let junk go in our brain and run us wild and ragged and never say no, thank you to it. We do have that control over what goes into our mind. Now, I've been practicing something for about the last three months. It might sound like this. Jesus, I love you. You are wonderful. I am free from sin. I've been bought with a price. I was buried with you, and I'm raised to new life with you. The old man is dead. He's passed away. He's gone. I'm a new creation. Suddenly, that lie doesn't seem like the truth anymore. That sounds like the truth. And I'm going to put the mic down. Let's see if I can do this. I don't know how to do this. Picture my fingers are the truth. There's a lot of them. And there's that one lie in the middle. We'll make it the microphone. The, the truth, the truth, just begins to trap that lie and choke it out. Uh, God kind of let me see that in my head just a little bit one day. That that's what's happened when I'm saying the truth. I'm telling you something right now. We've been talking for a few minutes. I bet we're going to get out of church early today because it's 1122. <laughs> Man. I'm telling you something right now, okay? When the lie comes in, you're in charge. It's your head. Begin to speak the truth and watch the lie shrink and become nothing, okay? You don't have to entertain the lies that send you into spirals. You ever notice when you go to bed believing a lie, you wake up and it just feels really true. Like she don't love me no more or whatever kind of garbage the enemy's coming against you with. It, that's not it. I just was, that was for effect. I never feel that way. I'm watching. Jesus loves us, okay? In a way that we can't even fathom. We, we try. We try to understand how much he loves us. Sometimes I can understand how much he loves me. I can, I can feel it. Some, from time to time, I get a glimpse of how much he loves me. And I'm usually piled up in the floor just weeping. I don't always have the capacity to grasp how much he loves me. But you, in those moments, you just try to remember how much he loves you. All throughout the time because... That's a constant that we have to stay with, that he loves me and he is good. You know what else he is? He's the authority. In the beginning was the Word. That's Jesus. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. So back at creation, Jesus didn't come along when he was born like, as a little baby. Jesus was all the way back at creation. Nothing came into creation unless he said it was coming into creation. Nothing exists that he didn't create. That's who's the authority in your life. How can you not feel confident when he's standing behind you? And the enemy comes at you with a lie and we let it overtake us. Don't do that. Use his truth to combat the lies and understand who it is that's your friend. Who it is that's your best friend. He calls you friend. He calls me friend. He calls you friend. He loves you. Um... It's not really the big things in life that get you. 
It's the little things like not understanding. I am poor in spirit. And I need him today. I need him with this decision. I need him constantly. How about this? It's okay. It's okay for you to begin to believe that. Okay, I'll give you permission to believe that you are poor in spirit, but Jesus is standing in front of you and offers you everything. It's okay for you to believe that. So for you to begin, it's okay for you to begin today to understand He loves you. You're not alone. When you are mourning, you are not alone. He loves you. To be at peace with God is so sweet. It's not a scary thing at all. If I ask you to raise your hand if you deal with fear, a lot of you would raise your hand. Some of you wouldn't because you don't want anybody to know. I, uh, a little while back, started dealing with some irrational fears in my own life. I climbed up on top of something at work, you know. Me and two or three guys, we were moving something from up high. I climbed up there. Got ready to come down. I couldn't come down. The ladder didn't stick up high enough above the, the surface. This is one of my irrational fears. So kind of like a little bit of a fear of heights. So I have a friend at work. His name is Joe, and he's the maintenance man. I said, Joe. I said it in that tone of voice where he knew I wasn't joking. Joe, go get that basket. <laughs> which we have a basket on a forklift that you can step off in, and he lowered me down. And Joe hustled on over and got that basket because he could tell I wasn't joking. That's an irrational fear. I know how to climb up and down a ladder. I've never been afraid of climbing up and down ladders. But suddenly I became afraid of climbing up and down a ladder. Men, if your wife has a feeling, an emotion, it's real to her. It's real to her. doesn't matter if it makes any sense. To your logical brain. Ladies, same way. If he fears something, he fears it. It's real to them. I Google how many times Jesus says, fear not in the Bible. Some of you probably know. 365 times. Everybody says once for every day. Fear not. Fear not. Fear not. Fear not. Fear not. He doesn't want me to be afraid. He doesn't want you to be afraid. Doesn't want you to walk around, or walk around worried about things. He wants you to be at peace. His design for you, his design for you and your mind is to be at peace, complete peace, with hope for tomorrow. Fear is just another one of the lies I was talking about. Okay. So what do we say to that? A thousand shall fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand, but it will not come near me. That's in Psalms 91. That's a great chapter to read if you deal with fear. I know some men that went into battle with bandanas that had that on their head. Psalm 91, strapped on their head under that helmet. What do you have to, what's the condition for all of that rest? Rest under the wing of the Almighty. That's what you do. Kind of like that poor in spirit thing, understanding who you are and who he is. What's the next one? Seven. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. 
Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. That one's pretty simple. Are you, are you merciful? When somebody cuts me off in traffic. Now, I've come a long way. I used to do really... I used to do really dangerous things. I was the one that was crazier than anybody you know. I would put it in reverse and smash it and back up towards you. I, I, was, a little, I was a little broken when I came back from... A combat zone. Nothing mattered. Everything was crazy. But am I merciful when somebody does something to me in traffic? The other day I was in the grocery store. I don't go to the grocery store, by the way. But I went to the grocery store because Miss Karen asked me to buy some cases of water, and she doesn't like to carry the cases of water, and so I bought the cases of water. So I wheeled up there, and you know how you're standing there, and there's the lanes, and you're deciding which one of the lanes you want to get in. It's a big decision because they got a lot of groceries, and they only have a few, and I don't like self-checkout. So it's a big choice. But there was another lady. She was making the same choice as I was. We were trying to figure out who's going to go in what line, you know. And I, I, just, I made up my mind. And I went in the line. And then she got behind me. And I thought about it for a minute. I said, I bet she thinks I cut in front of her. I didn't. But I wonder if she feels like I did. So I said, ma'am, did I, did I get in front of you? And she said, you sure did. She, <laughs> she was mad. And so I said, oh, let me get out of the way. So I, I mean, really kindly, I moved out of her way and I went to another one and I waited for a really long time, but I got checked out and it all worked out. So what do I do? Am I merciful when that happens? I was, I was in a, a time of really closeness with Christ at the time. I mean, he was just pouring himself out on me and it was a special time. I had about, I had about four weeks, about two months ago. That was just so special. I didn't even want to talk because I just didn't want to interrupt anything he was doing and saying in my life. It was so beautiful. But I got in the car, and I'm going home, and I'm praying, and I'm thinking about that lady. Here's what I thought about. Somewhere along the line, there had to have been a decision made by the Father that Jesus was coming to earth. I don't really, the Bible doesn't really say, and I don't know how that looks, and I can't paint you a picture because I don't really know. At some point, he said, you know what? Jesus is going to go to earth. He's going to be born, and he's going to live, and he's going to be 12 one day. I know y'all are older than 12, but he's going to be 12 one day, and we're going to get to learn a little bit about him when he's 12. You know what he said when he was 12? He, he stayed back, and he was in this temple. You remember all that. You remember that? He's in the temple. But at the end of that, when mom found him and all, it's, it tells us that he, he grew in spirit, and he grew in wisdom, and physically. I used to pray that all the time, boy, because I was a little bitty fella. I was tiny. And I didn't like being tinier than everybody else because you, you, you have to be a lot tougher when you're tinier than everybody else. And I didn't really enjoy that. But Jesus came to earth, and there had to have been a decision. And the father, when he was deciding, I'm going to send my son, and he's going to die on that cross Take a minute and remember what that was like. Do you remember? He was, he was betrayed. Betrayed by a friend that he knew was going to do it, but he went ahead and let it all happen. He came to arrest him with many soldiers with those swords I was talking about. 
And he spoke and they fell to the ground. Okay, so he's powerful. He's as powerful as he wants to be. But he says, no, leave these other guys alone. You came for me. And he walks away in shackles or ropes or whatever they tied people up with back then. Zip ties, maybe. The father knew all of this, and he sent him. And he went through that. And, of course, through the trials and the betrayals and the trials and the beatings and the spitting and the thorn crown, beaten, whipped, and on the cross almost naked. God sent his son for that. And who is he thinking about? He's thinking about that lady that didn't like me very much. He's thinking about, I would like to hold that lady up on my chest and hold her and tell her it's all okay. I love you. Be at peace. I love you. You are mine. I am so pleased to be with you. He, he gets the greatest joy out of us, being like him. I'm not always that merciful. But I want to be. I want to be like that every time. There's a, I mean, I stole this from Dan Moeller, okay? I'm not even trying to trick you. He said every time some of these things happen to us and we get attacked or whatever, let that be the, the spark. I don't remember what word he used. Let that be the thing that, that spurs us to go to the Father and tell him how much we love him and how awesome he is. Don't even look at the situation. Just ignore the situation. Punish the enemy for trying to attack you with that garbage by going to the Father and say, I love you, Jesus. You are, or Jesus, the Father. You're awesome. You're great. You're, you're, you're the beginning. You're the end. You're everything to me. And uh, let that be the punishment for the enemy coming against you. I've been doing that. It works really good. I'm not even kidding. It really works. I never thought, you know, I'm old. How could I be taught something so basic and it works so good? At this age, I learned something that was awesome. Every time he comes against me with a lie, I just use that to just punish him with going to Jesus, talking to him, and spending time with him. <laughs> Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. For they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness for their kingdom. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are, the, are, are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil things because of me. Rejoice and be glad. That's kind of what I just said. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Eleven thirty-six. So one time, Daisy, some of y'all remember Daisy. Daisy was awesome. Daisy was totally awesome. And she would she'd stand right over there on a Tuesday night and she would blast for an hour. Just blast Holy Spirit and Kingdom for an hour. 
So one day she couldn't be there, and she asked me to stand in for her, which I don't, I don't do anything like this. This is kind of like a lecture. I don't do lecture. I don't understand how to do lecture. I don't even know how to begin to lay it out. I have no notes up here. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do it. But I, I came in, and I really thought I had some material, you know what I mean? I thought I was going to do good. She would blast for an hour, 22 minutes, and I was done. <laughs> I had already repeated everything twice, and I just had to admit, I'm done. I don't know what else to do. But, but at that point, uh, with that group, I started asking questions, and we, we went a little longer. Questions is what gets things going sometimes. Um, being uh, an elder in your church is wonderful. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's really neat, and, and teaching men is really neat. And uh, there's no spiritual point to this other than I love teaching men. I love getting a chance to encourage them and talk to them. And they, uh, you know, we, we're, we're in the living room, and I'm sitting in a recliner, and, and I'm usually at the second notch in the recliner. Ms. Karen has scolded me about going to the third notch, <laughs> that that's just a little too casual. But I personally think the third notch would be better. <laughs> but it is so great to be able to teach men and love all men. And, and my heart is that it would just affect everything in the church as men grow and grow and grow. And they, they grow me too. No, no question about that. It's a wonderful thing. So all that's left on this now, because I'm almost finished, fellas, ladies, gentlemen. I always say fellas because I'm thinking of men all the time. All that's left to do here is begin, okay? Begin with poor in spirit, trying to understand being poor in spirit. Last night at bedtime, I'm laying there in the bed, and I'm seeing all of your faces. I know you can't believe that, but one by one, I looked at every one of your faces. I just kind of went around the room. I really didn't miss anybody. I missed two or three of you. But I could just see your faces, and I had great compassion, and I felt that. And, you know, the Spirit of the Lord, He loves you. He sees you. He knows every trouble you face. He knows everything you don't understand that you wish you understood. Everything about you is important to Him. Kind of hard to believe because sometimes we're not, we're not treated that way in this life. Some of them were treated a little bit as unimportant. But to him, how can he do that? He's not like us. He has capacities we can't understand. He can love you individually. Everything about you. All at the same time, he's loving somebody else. Last night, he allowed me to see all of your faces. One by one now. Not all at once. One by one. And feel compassion for you. And a few of you, I know what's going on in your life. And I prayed over those things. Some of you, I just know your face. God cares about you. And what does he want from us? He wants to love us. And we get a chance. I'm, I'm looking like it's up there. Poor in spirit. Begin with that, okay? Begin to understand you alone don't have that much going on. Recognize that. Your spirit is not like him. Your flesh without him. But with him, him living in you, and you recognizing your need for him, things get sweeter and sweeter and sweeter. 
Kevin, I think I'm about done. <laughs> I'm grateful for this opportunity, and I know it's very different. I can't be like DJ or Bo, but you know what? I don't want to be like DJ or Bo, and I don't want you to be. I'm sorry, buddy. I'm putting you in a position to just stand there for a second, huh? <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. He doesn't want you to be, don't look at anybody else. I mean, you can look at other people for attributes, things that you would like to acquire or whatever, but don't try to be like somebody else. When you spend time alone with Jesus, you start becoming who he wants you to be exactly. And you'll be an individual that is so useful in his kingdom, just one by one. One person at a time. Just a little while ago, right over there, I'm walking out, I'm going to get me a little bottle of water, and there's a lady standing and two ladies kneeling, praying for another lady over there for a knee. That's, that's the will of God. That's the beauty of him. That, that's those people, that's what they do. They pray for people. We all do different things. Don't, you don't want to be anybody else. You don't even be like anybody else. You just want to be like what Jesus wants you to be. And that comes from the you and me of it. You know, that's what I say to Jesus. I'm sorry. Nothing is going to come out of me that's useful without some me and Jesus being together, just me and him. And when he and I are together and spending time and loving one another, then you have something to say and do and that's useful to the kingdom. So do that. All right. Amen. Wow, praise God, that was awesome. Amen. You know, when you say you didn't have any notes, I just felt like Pastor DJ flinched, you know? He was like, ah. <laughs> I felt like Pastor DJ was like, oof. So that's, you know, Pastor DJ has like 14 pages of notes. Uh, <laughs> so I, I thank God that, uh, you know, I'm a little more like Brother Jim, you know? Uh, I normally only have about one page, maybe, maybe less. Uh, but God is so good. That is so awesome. Thank you, Brother Jim, for uh, being willing. It's so funny. A lot of people have knowledge. A lot of people are gifted. Uh, and then sometimes you'll give them an opportunity and they're kind of timid or afraid, you know, to do it. Uh, it takes boldness to to come up here and, and do it. So thank you, uh, Brother Jim, for doing that. Uh, one thing that I wanted to just touch on, a couple of things that Brother Jim said that I thought were awesome. He said a lot of things that were awesome, but uh, one thing he said was, don't think you know more than everyone else, you know? Uh, I think uh, every time I, I hear that, I always think of that, um, Brother Jim, that man uh, in the temple, you know, the Pharisee and the tax collector, and how the Pharisee is like, ah, thank you that I'm not like this, you know, tax collector. I thank you that I'm not like this random, you know, person, and, you know, and, and I'm so much better, you know, I, I tithe, and I give, and I do this, and I do that. And, you know, this is Jesus explaining the story, and then Jesus says, you know, who do you think left forgiven? Who do you think left blessed by God, you know? And he says, the tax collector, not the Pharisee. Uh, because when we think we know more than God, we're always wrong. We're always wrong. It's better to be humble and poor in spirit, like Brother Jim was saying, and say, well, the Father knows. <laughs> 
Daddy knows. I may not know how. I may not know how this bill is going to get paid. I may not know how I'm going to get this new car. I may not know how I'm going to get a house, even though I need a house. I don't know how, you know, my kid's going to get healed, even though they need healing. I don't know how, but my daddy in heaven knows how. My father in heaven knows how, you know. And so I just thought that was really awesome, uh, Brother Jim, about being poor in spirit. And the last thing I really enjoyed you saying was... um, making the devil pay. (laughs) I love that. I I preached on that one time. So I was like, Oh, you know, I I remember that. That was so awesome. Uh, I love, I really do love making the enemy pay. A lot of times we think like making the enemy pay looks like I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I stomp you on the head, you know? Uh, And a lot of times that's not it. A lot of time, you know, when some, when the enemy's attacking you, uh, let's say your finances, the way you make the enemy pay is you say, God, I thank you for my family's finances. I thank you for the finances of the church. I thank you for my neighbor's finances. God, he, he just got a Lexus. Thank you so much, Jesus. I continue to bless him. God, I thank you for the finances of that person I can't stand at work. God, continue to bless them, God. God, I thank you for the finances of my cousins and my and my uh, in-laws and my brother-in-law that I can't stand or whatever the case is, right? I bless them, God. I bless my, you know, and you start to bless and you start to bless and you make the enemy pay because the enemy is like, ah, Lord, who, who attacked that man's finances? Who was it? Report to my office right now. Who did that? Now the man's praying for everybody's finances. Who attacked that, per- who attacked that young lady's marriage? Now she's praying for everybody's marriage at the church. She's praying for her parents' marriage. She's praying for her cousin's marriage. She's praying for all the marriages in the church. Who attacked her marriage? Come report to the office. Who, who was that? You know, and that's the idea of making the enemy pay. You make him pay by blessing. Even in your hurt, even in your pain, even in your lack, in your lack, you start blessing. And God is so amazing because he always responds and he is faithful. And like Brother Jim he, uh, said, you know, he is rich. I love that story about Brother Jim said about his dad. You know, I was trying not to cry. I was so awesome. Because I remember growing up being completely opposite. I always wanted to like, oh, I can't wait. I was kind of like Weston, you know. I was like, I can't wait to get married. And, you know, and Azariah, my son, you know, he's like, you know, as soon as I get married, I'm going to tell her, have a baby, you know. And I was like, you know, I was like, hey, it don't work that way, son. Like, it doesn't, uh, you know, he's only seven, uh, six. Well, he just turned seven. So I was like, you know, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't work that way, son. You know, you kind of. <laughs> It's going to have to, you can't just be like, you know, you're going to have a baby right now, you know. Um, you know, he doesn't know that, but, uh, <laughs> but I was like that, right? I was such in a rush to be an adult that I didn't even have a childhood, it felt like, right? And so I just love that picture that Brother Jim was saying, you know, allow yourself to be a child. Allow yourself. That's why Jesus said, unless you're like one of these little ones, you won't inherit the kingdom of God. And kind of like my shoulder, you know, I, I, I didn't want that. I'm like, no, I need to push through and I need to, you know, get surgery or something. And God's like, no, you just need to receive. Right. You just need to say, thank you, dad. Thank you. Thank you, daddy. Uh, and that's tough sometimes, <laughs> Brother Jim, you know, kind of like when you took, you know, you start getting paid. You know, sometimes I find myself in that a lot. 
where I need to do things on my own. You know, let me, I got to make more money or I got to work harder. or I got to get a third job or I got to do whatever and take it upon myself to get it done. A lot of times men are like that. And some women too, you know, we, we feel the need to take over, uh, even though God's providing and he's blessing and he's helping you. Uh, but sometimes we just feel like, well, I want my own paycheck. You know, I got to do it. Uh, and so that was just powerful, brother Jim. That really blessed my heart. Amen. Go ahead and stand to your feet. We're going to close. Uh, and this is the moment in our service where we uh, take up tithes and offerings. And, and so if you, uh, you know, if you feel that in your heart, uh, you can, there's a couple of different ways to give. It's on the, it's on the screen up there. You can also give on your way out. Um, we believe in giving. We believe in, uh, that God does amazing things through your giving. And he has already done amazing things through your giving, and he will continue to do so. And, and I'm just grateful for that. You know, I love the fact that we have a body of believers, a family, a church family, that we don't have to twist nobody's arm. You know, we don't, I'm sometimes we don't even uh, take up offering. Uh, I, I mean, you guys still give, I just forget to do it, or we run late or something, you know. Uh, and it's just so awesome because we're not, we're not focusing on money here. We're focusing on kingdom. We're focusing on the Father meeting our needs. Like uh, Brother Jim is saying, we're focusing on the Father. We're focusing on Him. And so we're just, we're just grateful. But if this morning you have your tithes, you have your offering, and you want to give, you want to worship with us, I, I invite you to pray with us. Go ahead and uh, bow your head, close your eyes. Uh, if you have your gift in your hand, you can pull it up. If you are already given online, go ahead and still raise up your hand. Uh, Father, we thank you. God, this morning we bring our tithes, our offerings, our gifts to you, God. We bring them, Father. We don't do this in a religious way like, oh, this is what I do every Sunday. God, right now we posture our hearts and God we say Father we give you of our income we give you our tithes our offering our gifts our talents our time our resources God we give that to you but more importantly God we give you our hearts this morning we love you God we're thankful for what you're doing in this house we're thank you for what you're doing in our families we thank you for what you're doing in this church God we love you, Father, and we thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said, amen, amen, amen. amen. Hey, listen, before you go, uh, before you go, we will have our prayer partners at the uh, crosses, and they'll be waiting to pray for you. Uh, we love you. We are excited to see you next week. Uh, God bless you guys, and you have an amazing Sunday. Amen.